It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. To you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 441 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Spewing Seasons. It is January 12, 2024, and this is Jen. I've got a few things to talk about today, and I'm going to just go right through all of them. There is an article on Games Industry Biz titled X Activision Exec Accuses Publisher of Discriminating Against Quote Old White Guys End Quote Former employee says he was laid off for whistleblowing about company preference for younger, comma, non-white employees. Now this is probably somewhat scandalous in here, but we'll just see what they wrote. The person who wrote this is Brendan Sinclair, the managing editor for Games Industry Biz. A former Activision executive has sued the publisher in California state court, accusing the company of age discrimination and violating the state's whistleblower protection law, as reported by Law 360. There's a link in that article if you want to check that out. The suit was filed earlier this week by a 57-year-old former tech executive who worked for the company from 2014 until being laid off as part of a restructuring in the Activision Blizzard Central Tech Department last August. The lawsuit gives several examples to establish that Activision Blizzard discriminated against him, starting with statements Bobby Kotick allegedly made at a leadership conference that said the, quote, problem, end quote, with Activision is that, quote, there are too many old white guys, end quote, parentheses, the suit doesn't say exactly when the conference was, end of parentheses. It says a pair of white executives left the company shortly afterwards, saying their departures were, quote, based at least in part on Kotek's ageist remarks, end quote. I gotta wonder how old Bobby Kotek is. Is he in that group? I don't know. One of those departing executives recommended the plaintiff as his replacement, the suit said, but he was passed over in favor of a younger, non-white employee who then became his manager. The suit accuses that manager of creating a hostile work environment and criticizing his work such that his merit-based base salary increased... Uh, increase for the year was the lowest he received during his tenure at Activision. The suit notes that a woman in his department complained to a human resu- to human resources about her own merit-based increase being below expectations, saying she made false and defamatory remarks about him to human resources and his manager. The plaintiff responded by fil- filing his own complaint with human resources, accusing the company of failing, quote, to protect plaintiff from the discriminatory and defamatory accusations. Quote, plaintiff asked for checks and balances and made clear that plaintiff was the first person to sound an alarm that a larger issue might be brewing, according to the suit. He demanded that the accusations be investigated independently, but the suit says plaintiff's complaint was ignored and he was not taken seriously. The suit says he was laid off as part of Central Tech restructuring in August August of 2023. On a team of 200, he and six other men, 47 or older, were cut. 
quote, Activision placed profits over people by determining that the older, higher paid executives, uh, terminating the older, higher paid executives, he said. The suit notes that Activision currently has open job listings for central tech department roles. This is a freaking mess, um, you know, and it goes on from there. So um, it is not uncommon for people to be harassed at work, no matter who they are. Uh, I don't really usually hear a lot from, as they called it, old white guys uh, being harassed typically. Uh, it's often younger women and people of different uh, backgrounds and ethnicities and such like that. But this guy might have a point, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I think he might have a point. I think that's probably what, uh, you know, happened there for him and a couple of other people who are over 47. And I think that's weird. If you've got someone that's been working on your company, whatever your company is, and they've been doing a good job the whole time they're there, I don't see any good reason to, you know, say, okay, we're kicking you out now because you've hit the magic number that says you're not allowed to be here anymore or some weird shit like that. Um, it's kind of disgusting. I'm not surprised that Kotick did that because he's kind of a jerk too, and he's not actually part of Activision Blizzard anymore, so... That's, you know, that's become part of Microsoft. I'm sure most of you know about that. But if not, hey, yeah, it's part of Microsoft now. But yeah, this is really just kind of kind of um, unexpected, you know? So, I mean, hey, if, if you're an old white guy in a gaming company, this could happen to you, and hopefully it won't. But this was an Activision thing, and, well, here we are. I've got another article here from Windows Central titled Diablo 4 Season of Blood Review Rays of Light Shine Through for Diablo's Endgame, but there's still a long way to go. This is written by Jez Corden on January 5th, 2024. She writes, I'm by no means an ultra hardcore player, but you don't need to be to know Diablo 4 has a lot of problems. Uh, here's from the article. First, I want to stress that this is by no means an ultra-hardcore RPG player's review. Moreover, my experiences across the 100-plus hours I've put into it playing casually with my friends since the season's launch. As I write this, I've completed the entire season journey for Diablo 4 Season of Blood, save a couple of level 21 glyphs, and I wanted to share some of my experiences while also amplifying some of the feedback I've seen around the web for Season 2. I've killed Uber Lilith. I've spent dozens of hours grinding Duriel and the various materials required for him and the other bosses. I've meticulously refined my off-meta build and honestly had quite a lot of fun doing so. It would be false to suggest that I haven't enjoyed my time with this season overall. Diablo 4's combat is infectious and satisfying as we outlined in our non-endgame review of Diablo 4 and its base game. However, we're a long way from Diablo 4's launch at this point and Season 3 should be fast approaching. Season 2 of Blood ends on January 23rd, 2024 and will pave the way for new characters, a new meta, and new seasonal features. Blizzard opted to make Diablo 4 an always-online game with promises of a live service funded by a notoriously expensive cosmetic store and seasonal battle passes. So far, I'm not sure the payoff is quite where it needs to be just yet. There's a picture here looking at the screen where your character in Season 2 is able to use vampiric powers, where you like select them, put them in, that kind of thing. Um, so this one is highlighting the Vampiric Power Domination Level 3 and kind of goes on from there. I think if you've been playing the season, you've probably done at least some of this. To continue, 
She wrote, so for those who don't know, seasons in Diablo typically revolve, uh, revolve, probably meant revolve around some type of theme complete with the battle pass to grind for largely cosmetic rewards. I finished the battle pass so long ago at this point that it's difficult to recall how I felt about it. But the cosmetics you get are, well, okay, I suppose. Your mileage will vary based on your preferences. But the theme of the season revolved entirely around vampires and vampiric powers. The cosmetics did too, to some degree, although I would argue they're nowhere near as detailed or interesting as some of the items you you can get from the base game, nor the expensive cosmetic store attached to the game. I found myself not really using anything I got from the Battle Pass, save for Season Blessing gameplay modifiers, which are gated by level. Either way, it's hardly a ringing endorsement of it. Perhaps it's a good thing that the Battle Pass isn't that necessary to purchase, and represents what amounts to a preference on the part of the player. Very little of what you'll be doing in Diablo 4's endgame revolves around the Battle Pass specifically, though, and instead focuses on the seasonal, quote, journey. There are seven tiers of the season journey to get through with increasingly difficult and or grindy challenges to beat. Depending on how efficiently you play or how overpowered your build is, more on that in a minute, you could take anywhere from 50 to 100 plus hours to beat out. And much of the activities revolve largely around doing the same thing repeatedly over the course of time. To try and keep things fresh and differentiate Season of Blood from the base game and Season of the Malignant, Season of Blood offered some fun. Its brief story beats and, uh, it's a little bit of a typo here, I think, or I'm it wrong. It's probably the second thing. Uh, and introduced us to Lord Zeer, an ancient vampiric persuasion. The story culminated in an impressive set-piece battle with Zur himself, who then returns his Echo Uber form post-story. In addition, the season added regional blood harvest events where swarms of vampire minions could would congregate. Players who vanquish these enemies can obtain currency to perform a ritual, which quite literally makes it rain loot. These r- events were incredibly fun to participate in while leveling up and made gearing up at far less choring than previous incarnations of the end game. As part of the story, Season 2 players were also essentially infected with vampiric blood and could equip up to five vampiric powers to elevate and complement their builds and playstyles. Some of these added extra mobility to classes that perhaps didn't have great mobility previously, while others coalesced in truly insane build synergies better for some classes than others. And there's more in this, if you want to read the whole thing, everything will be up at ShatteredSoulStone.com. As for me, I, I like playing anything that has to do with vampires. I've been like that for a very long time, whether it's a TTRPG or whether it's in, you know, like Diablo or whatever. There's other video games out there that have, you know, vampires or let you be a vampire, that kind of thing. I just think that's fun. Um, have I gotten through the season journey? No, not at all. Um, I'm on the fourth part of it, I think. But yeah, it's interesting to see like a really good explanation of what this person's experience was in Diablo 4, Season of Blood specifically, and um, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's up to all of you to see what you think about that. And again, everything will be in the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com. Diablo Immortal has a couple of things over on X, formerly known as Twitter, and one of them is a Recruit a Friend event, which has some kind of strange-looking monster pulling a man into, who could be a barbarian from the coloring on his, the marks on his face might be a barbarian, and from the clothing as well, probably barbarian, and he's like trying to choke this guy, and I'm like, what is this, you know, but this is what it says on X. Reclaim sanctuary with friends at your heels during our limited time recruit a friend event. You have until January 25th to recruit or recall players and until February 8th to complete tasks and reap the rewards. Tag a friend you want to play with below and some people may have done that. And then there's this other thing from Diablo Immortal. 
It's called, uh, there's a like a large like wanted poster and it says wanted in big letters across the top. There is this grotesque looking pus laden thing with a lot of sharp teeth. And underneath its name, I guess, is Drepsaw Blightspewer. Um, so here's what Diablo Immortal wrote on Twitter. This, uh, the grotesque facsimile of humanity known as Drepsaw, the Blightspewer, seeks to destroy all we hold dear with its pestilence. Play Diablo Immortal now to defeat this horrific monster for the good of Sanctuary. And there's a little blood drop emoji in there. The Diablo 4 account on Blizzard, uh, I guess is the best way to put it, has a thing from yesterday titled, Tune in to our next developer update live stream. And that's going to be on January 18. So here's just a tiny bit of what they put in there because this is not a long article. Our next developer update live stream begins on January 18 at 9 a.m. PST and will unearth details about the next season's gameplay features, season journey, and quality of life updates. Plus, we'll also share information about the new competitive leaderboard system, The Gauntlet. Join Associate Director of Community Adam Fletcher, Game Design Manager Daniel Tangway, Quest Designer Madeline James, and Lead Class Designer Adam Jackson as they delve into the danger awaiting you in Diablo 4's third season. We'll also hold a Q&A segment at the end of the stream for players to field their questions directly to the team. Visit our Diablo Twitch and YouTube channels to watch live. Following the developer update live stream's conclusion, we'll post another article with a video of the live stream so you can still catch up on the details if you miss them. If you're not done with uh, season two, maybe get in there and finish it. I know I won't get there. <laughs> I don't play enough. Um, I tend to get distracted by shiny things on the rest of the screen and all the little exclamation point quests, but you know, whatever. Whatever works for you, do that, I suppose. There is an article here from Max Roll titled Season 30 Lords of Hell. It was it was uh, updated on January 5th, 2024. So here's some of uh, what they're doing. And uh, here's a little, I'll just read it. Diablo 3 Season 30 Lords of Hell brings back the Lords of Hell theme from Season 25, where you can find seven unique soul shards to socket into gear for unique and powerful effects. Also, the Rites of Sanctuary and Visions of Enmity Season themes are now a base feature of of the game and are part of season 32. Uh, not 32, but 30 in addition, you know. <laughs> um, read all the info about Season 30 below, and there's an orange text here. Our Season 30 mega post will be arriving in a few days to help you get ready with updates to all of our guides. So, Season 30, The Lords of Hell preview. Sanctuary needs you to answer its call for aid in Season 30, The Lords of Hell, starting on January 12th, which is today, at 5 p.m. PST, CET, KST. Nephilim can harness the power of The Lords of Hell's season theme, which first debuted with Season 25. For an in-depth look at the now-permanent rites of Sanctuary and visions of Enmity themes, class balance, and more, take a gander below. So here's what we've got. Uh, season 30, The Lords of Hell. And there's a little bit of uh, storyline here. Though the Black Soul Stone has been destroyed, lingering fragments of the Lords of Hell once contained therein still persist in Sanctuary. These soul shards hold immense power, power that once belonged to the prime and lesser evils. Cunning Nephilim who find and wield these soul stones must exercise caution. 
power can be alluring, and the road to the burning hells is paved with good intentions. So that's like the little story part. Season 30 is the first to utilize our new season theme rotation system, reintroducing the Lords of Hell theme first seen in season 25. Players can embrace evil by infusing themselves with the essences of Hell's Lords using soul shards. Players will embark on their season journey to discover and upgrade demonic soul shards based on the seven Lords of Hell. By embodying a prime and lesser evil, players will inflict new forms of pain and suffering on the demons of Sanctuary. We can't wait for players to get their hands on soul shards and start unlocking their true power. Nephilim can find seven unique soul shards based on the seven lords of hell, which give players demonic new powers. One of three prime evil soul shards can be equipped into helms, and one of four lesser evil soul shards can be equipped into weapons. Each soul shard can be upgraded three times using a new seasonal exclusive consumable, the Hellforge Ember. Soul shards and Hellforge Embers can drop from anywhere in Sanctuary, but soul shards have a higher chance to drop from bosses. Soul shards cannot be traded, but can be salvaged or utilized in Candle Sun's Despair. You may only equip one prime evil soul shard and one lesser evil soul shard at a time. Lastly, soul shards and hellforge embers only drop in seasonal play and will not transfer to your non-seasonal character when the season ends. For a look at the capabilities of each of the soul shard powers, look below. And it has a list of what each of these are. I'm just going to read you titles of them and you can... Look for this, you know, on ShatteredSoulStone.com in the show notes after I'm done with the show. So there's a sliver of terror, a shard of hatred, fragment of destruction. That's the three, um, the three evils, you know. Um, terror is Diablo, shard of hatred is Mephisto, uh, destruction is Bale, I think. The lesser ones are stain of sin, dregs of lies, remnant of pain, and essence of anguish. That's what those are. There are, of course, Season 30 cosmetic rewards that look very shiny. I'm fairly certain I have some of these, but I don't know that I got everything. But I'll probably play later and see, you know, what I need, I guess. There is the Season Journey rewards. So here's what we've got for that, according to Max Roll. If you've been diligently slaying demons for the past few seasons and reached Conqueror in the Season Journey each time, you've surely accrued a few extra stash tabs. You'll earn one additional tab each season by finishing the Conqueror tier up to a maximum of five stash tabs. I might already have those. I'm not sure. So there's Guardian of Sanctuary. Finish a level 70 Nephilim Rift on Torment 13 within five minutes. Gem of my life. Level three legendary gems to level 55. All I do is win. Complete two conquests this season. Disarm you. Kill Rakanoth at level 70 in under 15 seconds on Torment 13 difficulty. Money ain't a thang. T-H-A-N-G. Yes, that's how it's written. Slay greed on Torment 13 difficulty. Take you there. Reach Greater Rift level 60 solo. Power amplification. Use Kanai's Cube to augment an ancient legendary item with a level... 50 plus gem and cubic reconfiguration use Kanai's cube to reforge a legendary item. There's also um, a seasonal conquest thing. It's kind of interesting. So you push your way to greater rift level 75 to complete divinity slash lionhearted on a good day slash I can't stop guides you to get your legendary gem grind on three level three legendary gems to 65 to complete this challenge. For the speedy, speed demon slash need for speed requires the fastest Nephilim to complete a Nephilim rift at level 70 on Torment 
uh, 10 or higher in each in under two minutes for curses slash stars align pick any curse chest event that requires killing monsters and defeat over 350 or more at level 70 on torment x 10 or higher and the fiercest demon slayers boss mode slash worlds apart is a speed challenge where you'll need to eliminate the following bosses at level 70 and torment um in under 20 minutes so it's the skeleton king the butcher zoltan cool gom clydea Rakanoth, Diablo, Adria, Queen Aranye, Magda, Belial, Siegebreaker, Assault Beast, Asmodon, Izual, Urziel, and Malthiel. And then there's Hadric's Gifts. We know what that is. You finish something, like you finish Chapter 2 or Chapter 3, and then you go over and talk to Hadric, and he gives you some cool stuff. These are the class sets that are going to be available, well, now, basically. Uh, the Barbarian, it's the Legacy of Raycor. The Crusader, it is the Armor of Akan. For the Demon Hunter, it is Embodiment of the Marauder. For the Monk, it is Inna's Mantra. For the Necromancer, it is Pestilence Master's Shroud. For the Witch Doctor, it is Zunamasa's Haunt, which I think I played one year. Uh, and the Wizard is Delsir's Magnum Opus. So that's everything you need to know. There's some patch notes and other stuff in this article if you want to find out more. In addition, the Darkening of Tristram has returned on January 3rd. We're at January 12th, so it's probably still there. It generally goes for most of January, and I don't think it... I don't think it's ever carried over into February. So here's a little bit about that if you haven't been paying attention to the show, or maybe you just stopped paying attention to Diablo 3 for a while because you're playing Diablo 4. I don't know. Diablo's anniversary is right around the corner. Actually, it's here now um, with the Darkening of Tristram event. Whether you're a series veteran craving nostalgia or a newcomer hungry for your first taste of the franchise's past, this annual loving homage to the earliest days of Diablo is for you. And it's talking about you have to stop the cultists, you have to explore the cathedral, discover precious loot. I don't know if I have all that precious loot. I'm pretty sure I have the little butcher pet and some of these other things, so I'm not sure. Um, exclusive rewards and challenging enemies await you, but they won't last forever. The cultists will appear on December 31st at 4 p.m. PST, so that's already happened. And the portal opens January 3rd at the same hour. Both parts of the event end January 31st at 4 p.m. PST. So that's um, pretty easy to get through. We also have a uh, description of Season 30, The Lords of Hell preview. It's got a really neat graphic at the top with a screaming demon and some of the smaller ones and one of those nasty shamans that try to sometimes, you know, resurrect their dead. And it just annoys me in every Diablo game there is. So here's what this says. Sanctuary needs you to answer its call for aid in Season 30, The Lords of Hell, starting on January 12 at 5 p.m. PST, CET, KST. Nephilim can harness the power of the Lords of Hell season theme, which first debuted with season 25. For an in-depth look at how now permanent rites of sanctuary and visions of enmity themes, class balance, and more, take a gander below. Did I already read this to you? I don't think I did. Okay, so here's a little bit. Season 30, the Lords of Hell, and they have a little bit of a story in here. Though the Black Soul Stone has been destroyed, lingering fragments of the Lords of Hell once contained therein persist in sanctuary. These soul shards hold immense power, power that once belonged to the prime and lesser evils. Cunning Nephilim who find and wield these soul stones must exercise caution. Power can be alluring, and the road to the burning hells is paved with good intentions. I feel like something else I just read had that, you know, but maybe I'm wrong. Um... Okay, so uh, Season 30 is the first to utilize our new season theme rotation system, reintroducing the Lords of Hell theme first seen in Season 25. Players can embrace evil by infusing themselves with the essences of the Hell Lords, 
uh, using soul shards. Players will embark on their season journey to discover and upgrade demonic soul shards based on the seven lords of hell. By embodying a prime and lesser evil, players will inflict new forms of pain and suffering on the demons of Sanctuary. We can't wait for players to get their hands on soul shards and to start unlocking their true power. Um, and there's all the ones that I mentioned from the max roll thing. That's all the soul shards you'll find in there, different types. Uh, there's a description in here about all the soul shards and if you've played it before you might remember but it's been a while since it was season 25 um, and we're at season 30 now so you might not remember everything but there's a lot of stuff in here to talk about there's a developer's note that says in pursuit of all of diablo 3's systems to feel both fun and challenging the altar of rights adjustments were made to maintain a sense of progression throughout playing while not coming into conflict with other features the empowered shrine has been removed from the random shrine effect of the father seal from altar of rights i don't know what that means but it's probably important somewhere and then there's all these other things in here that uh that you can do and all of the seasonal conquest stuff you can do hadrick's gift is described i already i think i already talked about what the uh, the armor classes were so yeah okay there's also class balance changes striking a middle ground between fun and balanced is our top priority when it comes to classes as we mentioned in our season 29 article going forward a series of iconic themes from seasons past will be reintroduced roughly every three months the below class balance changes were made to ensure each class remains both fun and balanced as powerful season themes return to, to Diablo 4. Developers note, over time, we have seen some builds gain a massive amount of power, leaving other builds behind and in need of updates. The wizard's meteor has dominated the battlegrounds of Sanctuary for far too long, as well as some other sets. We believe to have found a good avenue for each build to perform in and have improved sets across each class to work towards this goal. And there's a whole bunch of stuff in here if you want to know specifically about what they did to your favorite class. Um, it might be good, it might be bad, I don't know. I will eventually jump into this and just see what's there. On X, Wujio has a list from Max Roll, and it's talking about... Uh, well, what, here's what he wrote. The hashtag Diablo3 at Max Roll GG solo push tier for Season 30. Which build are you excited to play with Altar plus Soul Shards at once? 24 hour plus stream live, by the way, Twitch, YouTube, and here on X going for world first, 150 HC SSF, hardcore solo self found with uh, Nat's uh, DH. So he's gonna play a Demon Hunter and there's like an S tier of the best builds, A tier and B tier in this tweet. And the rest of the show is coming from Wowhead, which is a pretty good site overall, uh, in my opinion. So one day ago, they posted that Diablo 4 was nominated for DICE Awards, um, online GOTY, role-playing GOTY, outstanding original music composition written by Jez Artros. And it says it's awards season and the finalists are in. This year's DICE Awards held on February 15th are packed with 2023's biggest hitters. And Diablo 4 has been nominated for not one, not two, but three separate awards. The DICE Awards is the video games industry premiere peer-juried awards show held by the Academy of Interactive Arts and Scientists, which is scientists, no, sciences, um, AI, AI, AS professionals from across the video game industry serve as the peer jury voting on the finalists through a secured confidential ballot. Several prominent names from Activision Blizzard were invited to be some of this year's peer panelists, including Steve Derrick, Adam Foshko, Dion Rogers, Pedro Seminario, and Harrison G. Pink, who recently left the company. And so there's a list of these games. The ones that they selected in here 
uh, as online game of the year include Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, Diablo 4, Omega Strikers, I don't know what that is, Street Fighter 6, I remember playing that years ago, but maybe not number 6, and then The Finals is um, another, uh, another game I don't know about, really. While Diablo 4 is a finalist in three categories, it's up to some absolute powerhouses, particularly in the role-playing game of the year category. No matter who wins, though, one thing is absolutely certain. 2023 was an incredible year for gaming. Good luck to all the finalists. So the outstanding achievement in original music composition has the following games. Alan Wake 2, Diablo 4, Marvel's Spider-Man 2, Planet of Lana, and Star Wars Jedi Survivor. So we'll just have to see who takes the award, but... It's a good group of things. Also on Wowhead, written by Arctane, is an article posted six days ago that says more events with cosmetic unlocks being added in the future in Diablo 4. That with Midwinter Blight just ending in Sanctuary, one of the relatively few ways to obtain new free cosmetics has been removed from Diablo 4. That doesn't mean these cosmetics were a one-time deal, though. In a reply to a comment on his post on X, formerly known as Twitter, literally they wrote that. I love when they do that. Uh, Global Diablo Community Development Director Adam Fletcher revealed some big news about what we can look forward to over the year in Diablo 4. Fletcher confirmed that more events like the recent Midwinter Blight will be added to the game over time, which will allow players to unlock more cosmetic rewards. This means players will have more opportunities to unlock free and dropped cosmetics for their characters, likely themed around events, instead of relying exclusively on Tahal's shop. So there's a tweet you know, posted in here about that. Other Blizzard games like World of Warcraft are familiar with holiday-specific events, such as Love is in the Air and Hallow's End. I like the Hallow's End one, and I haven't played Warcraft in a very long time. Could this mean we'll see Valentine's Day and Halloween events like in WoW, or would we see other different holidays celebrated in Sanctuary? We also have, again, from Wowhead, this one's written by Jen, uh, Jez Artros, who is not me, by the way. Um, Diablo 4 Season 3 launch date confirmed January 2023. It's finally confirmed. In just a few short weeks, the season of Blood will officially be over, and Season 3 of Diablo 4 will begin on January 23. Blizzard has updated the login screen in Diablo 4, changing the splash banner from Season of Blood ends to Next Season Begins. Curiously, we still do not have a season name reveal to us. While Season of Blood gave us a launch trailer, we have yet to see the same for Season 3, or even know much about it. This does confirm, however, that with Season of Blood also ending on January 23, we will have no downtime between seasons. This release date does pose some interesting challenges, however, with only nine business days between now and Season 3's launch. Blizzard has a lot of information to get through in a very short time, and no current dates announced for things such as campfire chats or patch notes. While we likely expect some information soon, bracket, or parentheses, TM, players will once again have no time to test the upcoming season on a PTR like Diablo 3 players have gotten used to. Many players have been calling for PTR implementation to allow for better balancing and testing, but as of now, Blizzard has reported no plans for a PTR cycle. And then the last article is also from Wowhead and is written by Therid, and it is titled, as you may expect, Diablo 4 needs a PTR. Here's why. So let's hear why. It has been just over seven months since the release of Diablo 4. In an incredible year for gaming, the launch of Blizzard's newest title has been a successful one, according to critics around the globe, resulting in a Metacritic score of 86. Since its launch and overwhelming positive reception, Diablo 4's development road has been rocky for the game's community. Season 1 and its very first significant content, Patch 1.1.0, which included a plethora 
plethora of controversial nerfs was met with waves of community criticism. Diablo 4's development team apologized and promised to do better, and the following patches, including Season 2's patch 1.2.0, indeed showed promise, with significant changes to defenses and underperforming classes. One of the latest content additions to the game, however, perfectly showcases one of the core issues of Diablo 4, the Abattoir of Xur. A seasonal endgame mode introduced with patch 1.2.3 in early December of last year was expected to pose a genuine challenge to those who have, quote, done everything else, end quote, in Season 2. However, the new endgame content was released with many groundbreaking bugs and exploits, like conjurations counting toward monster progression or players being able to create infinite, um, infinite amounts of sigil dust. Most of these things have been fixed by now, but one burning question, which has come up after every single patch since Diablo 4's release, remains. Why in the high heavens does Diablo 4 not have a public test realm where players could test upcoming content and help Blizzard to increase the game's overall quality? There's a bunch of stuff down here continuing with this. I'll give you a little bit more. It's a long article. Uh, PTRs in Diablo 3 and D2R. Diablo 2 Resurrected. A quick glance at the history of Blizzard's ARPG franchise shows that multiple Diablo development teams have used PTRs to their advantage in the past. The very first PTR in Diablo 3 was open to the public with the announcement of patch 1.0.5 just after just over 4 months after the game's release back in 2012. And there's a little link here from Blizzard and it says PTRs are a very valuable tool for our development teams. When you participate, share your feedback and submit reports. We can squash more bugs and ensure that the patch we release is of the highest quality possible. Since then, every major Diablo 3 patch and over 25 Diablo 3 seasons have been deployed on a PTR for over 10 years, setting a precedent for streamlined game development and quality assurance. Almost 10 years later, Blizzard's Diablo team once again installed a public test realm for Diablo 2 Resurrected. Like Diablo 3 in 2012, the first PTR phase began within six months of the game's release. D2R players will remember the massive database changes introduced with Ladder Season 1, which were developed to resolve ongoing performance issues. And here's a piece from Blizzard. The public test realm PTR is a special realm where we can test balance, fix bugs, and other enhancements we make in Diablo 2 Resurrected. This test environment is available to all owners of the game who can play a critical role in testing features and sharing their feedback to improve the overall experience for all players. The focus of the first PTR will re revolve around fixing database issues and making the online environment more robust and flexible under high volume conditions. This test will be imperative as it will assist us in stabilizing the gameplay experience ahead of the implementation of the latter rank play. The quoted blue posts perfectly showcase what PTRs in Diablo and all other Blizzard games are supposed to achieve. Players are asked to stress test new content and other substantial changes to Blizzard games. In return, the community receives a more polished, high quality gaming experience. How Diablo 4 is being tested right now. I don't know how long this goes on. It does. It goes on for a very long time. I'm going to skip to the bottom here. Why there's still no PTR in Diablo 4. We've looked at the franchise's PTR history and the problematic status quo in Diablo 4, but why exactly is Blizzard not providing a public test realm? In an interview with the German gaming website 4Players, number 4 players, during Gamescom last year, Diablo general manager Rod Ferguson and associate production director Chris Wilson stated the following. 
The question was, do you plan on introducing test servers for upcoming game updates as has been done with Diablo 3? Chris Wilson said, generally, it's not planned to roll out future updates via test servers in advance. In Diablo 4, we try to work on new content through contact with the community and their feedback. And Rod Ferguson said, a PTR, public test realm, is interesting, but also brings challenges in terms of development time, balance, and what is revealed. This is something we're very aware of as we've tried it in other games. We've heard the feedback, but we're still looking for ways to optimize this feedback loop, and it might or might not be part of that in the future. There's more in this. I recommend you uh, take a read of it because it's it's a lot. It's very interesting to me at the very least. You might find it interesting as well. But yeah, why doesn't D4 have a PTR? I guess they're just not ready to do it or they don't want to give away secrets, or I, I don't know. I really don't know, but that's where I'm going to end the show today. You have been listening to episode 441 of The Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come and join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You could also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter at Shattered Stone, as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you.